Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County like uh your most memorable quarantine stress stream oh god um where do i even begin with that that's so like what time like in the beginning if anything that sticks out because i know in the beginning i had quite a few but i get sleep paralysis anyways Mm, i have a feeling someone is in the room i see the shadow people oh man that happens kind of anyway i even specifically when we were all living together i had one and like could not like seem to move oh like wake you guys up as well like but i had like this feeling that like a murderer was in our apartment oh i uh, probably should not have been listening to true crime (laughs) podcasts pretty much exclusively through the first few weeks of quarantine probably not i you know it's the first time hearing about it but i for sure would have been the one with salt around your bed and been like we are purifying Mm -hmm. this apartment It's happening because <laughs> oh, I feel God. like you know that happens. I've had that. I, I don't know if I've had actual sleep paralysis, but mm-hmm. um, I've had similar experience. Let's go with that. I feel like I don't know how to quite how, describe did, it, but did I get they what you have, mean. Did they have a quarantine distribution system for holy water? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I th- I think of everything. Italy really dropped the ball on that one. I still think the craziest image to come out of that entire mm-hmm. time was the priest shooting the baby to baptize them with a water gun to like bless them honestly that's just pure innovation <laughs> i guess yeah yeah oh, Soup- <laughs> super soaked <laughs> with the lord um so anyways but i, I- i've had many mm. and you know i have a lot of stress dreams that range from endlessly setting up for a music gig and we never actually get to playing i'm just endlessly plugging wires into other things all right that's a performance so gonna need that as an artwork at some point exactly (laughs) to you know a tall cloaked figure hovering over my bed and i can't move right Uh, not great yes yes um the other night i had one of those dreams where I am watching a movie, you know, and Mm. you're like, you're also kind of like, at one point, you're kind of aware it's a dream, but you want to go back to sleep so you can finish the movie. Oh my God. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And it was, uh, I had found a lost uh, Land Before Time sequel. Whoa. Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. And this Land Before Time sequel, because as as, uh, you know, uh, visitors uh, to the Uncanny County Museum know, I uh, was a adamant fan of the Land Before Time and its sequels Mm -hmm. throughout my childhood. You know, nowadays I I look back and, you know, the the first one's a masterpiece. Uh, 
by Don Bluth, and the sequels are um, there. <laughs> they, they exist. But this sequel, so they're a little bit older, mm. and they get taken in by a charismatic leader. The world floods. It's like Waterworld. And Whoa. they basically are now under the control of a cult leader. So what? it's kind of like it's kind of like Waterworld meets Mad Max meets Land Before Time. That is the movie we need. Yes. Oh my god. So <laughs> and he like is giving them new names and stuff. That's insane. Like, like it you know, indoctrinating them, removing their identities and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, just like and but this is like the land before time dinosaurs. Not you know? little, not Littlefoot. <laughs> no. Yeah, one of them. I think it was Petrie. He Petrie. renamed Fletcher for some reason. I hate that. And I don't. <laughs> yeah, and I was trying to think the logic of it because, like, I remember this. This is the thing about the way I dream. He's like, I will call you Fletcher now. And I was thinking in my dream, I was like, that's kind of a dumb name because Fletcher, <laughs> Fletcher is a name that like goes back to like someone that would fletch arrows. arrows. Yeah, exactly. And they're dinosaurs. How would they know what, uh, how would they know what an arrow is? They invented it. That's the only well, solution. Why, why am I, I am pedantic in my own dream <laughs> it's kind is, of amazing. is what I'm saying. Oh my God. Yeah. Incredible. I, I just, I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that dream. That's kind of incredible and also terrifying. I feel like <laughs> I've had dreams. I've had a dream. I think the craziest dream I had is I lived another life. And that blew my mind. Where I have oh. woken up and I can still visually recall where I was and what I was doing for a, either a brief moment. I was living in Finland but it was like a oh? his dark materials, like any sub, like you know, what do you call it, like fantasy version of like our own world, because it was not Finland, mm -hmm. and I've never been mm -hmm. there, so how would I know? But it was it was like <laughs> Lapland, like it was really cold and it was snowy, and I lived with some woman who was my wife now for some reason, and oh my god, you had you had you got once in a lifetime. It was, it was crazy, <laughs> like it was really. But like the thing was, I knew I was in a dream, so like or kind of like I don't actually know. It's a reality bender, and like there was like a kid who was not my kid. I adopted her, and it was amazing. And it was really wholesome. But then also the thing that broke the reality was that there were like another group of people who were like basically Bigfoot like humanoids. That were like neighbors. They just existed. It was like natural. Uh -huh, and I was like, uh -huh. this is not right. Something here is mm -hmm. a little off, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And I remember that. And I will remember this for a while. Just like I've remembered, like, I think the most stressful dream I've ever had in my life was when I was younger and I woke up when I couldn't breathe. Um, oh, I hate but those. I remember I hate the those. image of somebody I was sitting in a dentist chair in a white room and somebody put this ski mask like those um the goggles the ski goggles I used to have mm -hmm. ones that were white mm -hmm. with the like orange tint on them in a purple like wraparound thing for your head and they mm -hmm. like I was sitting in this chair strapped in and they approached me and they put it across my my nose and my mouth so I couldn't mm. breathe and I woke up like and oh, I legitimately God. couldn't breathe I thought I was gonna die so that'll oh that's that that gave me some trauma. Jeez. But um I oh my god. No, I I hate stuff like that. I hate like yeah. I'm trying to do something in the dream. I'm trying to take something off in the dream. Oh god. Like yeah. I fall I fell asleep once on a flight with my headphones on. And in the dream, I'm sitting in my chair on the plane listening to Blue Orchid by the White Stripes. Whoa. You know, it's like yeah. mm, 
you know, it's like mm-hmm. very loud. And I press pause on my phone and it doesn't stop. Whoa. I tr- take my headphones off and it doesn't stop. And Whoa. I'm like, this is really loud and I want to sleep. And it's like, I had to like wake myself up from within a dream. Oh my God. Like, it was like getting incepted. I was going like, to say, like, that's just inception. It was like inception. <laughs> it's literally the- yeah, getting incepted on a plane. And like, I, but the weird thing, I had to do it twice. That's, I had to that wake myself up. And, and then I took my headphones off when I woke up and I was still in the dream. Zan, you went too deep. I got incepted. Oh my God. That was, you literally were in a dream within a dream. That's crazy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are we incepted yeah. right now? Is this a dream? What is reality? I question this every day. <laughs> this oh. is a dumb dream. You know, um, oh, you know, th- this, this is a crazy. super dumb dream where you wake up in the morning and the president of Haiti has been assassinated and it's not, mm. it, it barely makes a blip. You know, that is the second time that's been mentioned today. <laughs> in my sphere and i and it, it still kind of blows my mind every time i hear it jesus yeah yeah um oddly enough odd synchronicity uh we will be talking about haiti oh. a bit uh today interesting so uh, j- just get into place here uh, oh r- yeah right in here uh, yeah oh, okay. uh so you you'll notice we're behind glass today uh, you know now that you mention it i'm starting to um hear see that let me just knock on that oh yeah that's not going anywhere yeah so um here we are inside the exhibit now i had mentioned to you that we are the artists uh here uh representing the museum at the uncanny county fair yeah you did mention that i don't i mean i know i brought some of my my work here i i've you know i'll try to install it where we can when do we do that um well what are we showing joe joe we are the exhibit. We are we are not displaying our art. We are on exhibit as artists. Oh. That I misunderstood this assignment. Um okay. That's new. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, actually it's, it's, not, yeah. it's not new at all. <laughs> right. Um as, as we'll get into it today, this is not a entirely new concept to mm. sort of putting people on display. Because what we're going to talk about today is the Chicago World's Fair, also uh, called the Columbian Exposition. Mm. Uh, now, do you know much about this uh, historical event? I I must say I know a little bit about it in passing. I um, remember hearing about this in relation to the human zoos and display of... Um, of peoples in this way yeah oh, well that that was, that was at a lot of the world's fair that was at a lot that's it, why it, i wasn't it, entirely it doesn't sure. really make it specific yeah i don't yeah i don't actually quite know a lot about this so i'm really interested to hear what you have mm. to say about it yeah i mean i have a little bit more than a passing familiarity with this mainly because one of my professors in undergrad robert rydell pretty much his entire academic career has been based around studying world's fairs and a Whoa. lot of his research has been in the Columbian exposition in particular interesting um yeah th- this was sort of part of my curriculum in my museum studies minor we even read uh some of a, a work that he edited 
uh, called Why the Colored American is Not in the World's Columbian Exposition. Mm. Now, this is a this this is quite a provocative title, and especially when you consider this is something being written in the 1800s. Right. Yes. Huh. So the the Columbian Exposition, uh, as the the name alludes to, uh, happened in 1893. So oh, this wow. is okay. uh, 400 plus one years after Columbus lands in the Americas. Jesus. That's... Yes, this is a very big deal for the World's Fair. You know, this is at, at the height of the Gilded Age. This is, um, you know, at the dawn of the American century. Mm, right, right. Yeah, this is really America's chance to wow the world. The previous fair had been, uh, that was in the United States, was in Philly. Uh, in 1876 it was in philly and it uh while popular was kind of a failure oh yeah yeah philly didn't (laughs) really sell uh america it's kind of a niche area it's very northeastern (laughs) i feel like and it only really summarizes that yeah so Really, the the interesting thing about this is Chicago was kind even as even as a site for the World's Fair was kind of this dark horse candidate. Chicago hmm. beat New York, D.C., and St. Louis. Whoa! Okay. Yeah, Chicago also had only recently started recovering from the Great Fire in eighteen seventy one. Oh my God! Yeah, I still think it's wild that a cow started that. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I and and it spawned a thousand Gary Larson cartoons. <laughs> uh, it's a real butterfly effect, if you will, or a domino mm-hmm. effect. It's really, better. it's really haunted anyone with the last name O'Leary. I'm sure. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, most hated cow in America. It's true. I visited Chicago one. Once or twice, I don't remember. It's all a blur. But I visited Chicago a few times. Let's go with, and I remember two things: um, that story and Al Capone, yes. and that's all anybody talks about. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the Sears Tower and the Bean, and that's about it. So, right, Windy right, City, man, yeah. cool place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll get into the uh, the Windy City. Even Ooh. that nickname originates with this World Fair. Oh, it does. Oh, interesting. Yeah. interesting. The thing to understand about here, here, let me let me paint you a picture here. All right, do it. The World's Fair, this was such a big deal. The mayor of Chicago was assassinated at the end of it, and it's not even the biggest uh, <laughs> historical event that takes place here. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> yes. That's kind of insane. Car- Carter Harrison Sr. was assassinated towards the end. It threw off the closing ceremonies, but <laughs> otherwise, everybody concluded the World's Fair was a hit. So, everybody, oh, my God. So, so everybody was like, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, everything went, everything went pretty well. I would say like a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, we mean, only g- lost one mayor. <laughs> yeah, only one mayor was assassinated. So, obviously, that's not terrible. Uh, everything yeah. else was great. Jesus. That's Say what you wild. want about Woodstock. They didn't kill the mayor at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, wait, I, I don't actually know the two people that died at Woodstock, but uh, oh. I, I assume one of them wasn't the mayor. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a good guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, so it ran for six months, mm. um, and 
you know, this debuts so much stuff that even just in the realm of fairs uh, and, and the idea of public spectacle, the brownie is debuted. Oh, wow. uh, the Ferris wheel is debuted. An early version of the zipper. Whoa. The first moving walkway. The first uh, standardization of measuring electrical power. Whoa. The huh. first functioning automobile. <gasps> yes. That's... This, huh. this fair put on display uh, America's technological and economic powers that, you know, really were supposed to demonstrate how far the country had come, you know, and it at that point wasn't incredibly old either you right, know right right 1776 is a little over a century in the past the civil war you know only wrapped up about 30 years less than 30 years prior that's insane yeah and the nation is healing they uh, americans sort of need this one they need a win right 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 makes sense Yes, and America's vast riches and resources uh, and uh, technological prowess kind of could be shown to the world that hmm. this was a place of potential and opportunity. You know, a big part of the Columbian Exposition's advertising even was all nations are welcome. You know, this was a showcase of America. Interesting. And what it sort of inadvertently does is also on the flip side, uh, you know, along with uh, all of the the great, great inventions like the squashed penny, because that also debuted here. Oh, uh, huh. yeah. Right. Isn't it weird to think that that's that old of a souvenir? Yeah, really. I didn't I didn't think it was. That's right. Bizarre. Yeah. The uh, Chicago World's Fair, you know, we look back on it now and there's, you know, uh, admittedly quite a few problematic parts of it as well mm, yeah mm -hmm. yes so you're probably wondering um well who who would write uh a pamphlet and widely distribute as much as they could called the reason why the colored american is not in the world's columbian exposition the afro-american contribution to columbian literature so let, let, let's just read through this list of authors here. Hmm. Ida B. Wells, Frederick Douglass, Irvin Garland Penn, Ferdinand Barnett. This is quite a roster of, yeah. of civil rights leaders and important journalists of that era. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> yes. And they are... Writing this before the exposition uh, even happens. Oh, wow. Okay. And basically in the pamphlet, what they outline is uh, that not only is, uh, you know, the this sort of misleading the idea of the ideal idea of America, you are, you know, they're, they're, they're quick to point out that this is ignoring the intense racial divide in america and the mm. issues of america but there's also a feeling as well and i think this is also this is um equally interesting is that it is ignoring those contributions to american culture that mm. were uh that came from 
African Americans, the right. descendants of slaves, um, and people who, in large part, at that time, would have pretty much been living the same way uh, they were. Their ancestors and honestly, their contemporaries had been as slaves. Mm. There would have been right. plenty of people alive that remembered slavery. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So, Jesus. especially you know for. Especially, and this would have been especially intense from uh, Wells and Douglas. Um, what they, you know, what they didn't foresee is that there were African Americans present at the fair and their achievements. Um, what they were absolutely correct about, though, was sort of the way the world's fair in chicago was remembered how it was sort of this galvanizing moment of american exceptionalism mm. right right and what it sort of even though there was african-american representation what it really relegated them to and that is you know in some part as performers and curiosities Hmm. Like gotcha. that that is like the acceptable way. Oh my god. Okay. Yes. Yeah, not um, not good. Yeah, no. This is this was not a uh this was not a good look. Um and so there were a couple of different, you know, approaches to this. Some significant uh people including uh Ida B. Wells mm -hmm. just boycotted it outright in protest. Right. Naturally. When you know, when it I happened. Mean... Yeah, and then Frederick Douglass um, decided, you know what? I have a chance. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, uh, how? Yes, and even participated. However, and this is where it gets into sort of some other bizarre territory. They the the committee would not allow for like an African American pavilion. You know, if we sort of imagine this like. Uh, the Biennale in Venice, where it sort right. of just feels like, you know, it feels like Epcot at Disney World, you know, a little bit. It kind of does, yeah. Yeah. So and this was sort of part of the, you know, th there's, when, when you went to the World's Fair, you know, there's uh, this one place showcasing technological scientific advancements. There's another place, uh, you know, demonstrating the, the uh, some of the uh, great offerings America had to the world of painting at the time. Um, and, you know, there, Frederick Douglass made a case that there should be a demonstration of the contributions of African Americans. Right. And in a bizarre compromise, they do not give him that. Instead, they make him the ambassador to the Haitian pavilion. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's... Yeah. And it's like, it's a... You know, in one sense, Haiti is a magnificent example of a successful slave revolt um, and is, you know, has this incredibly uh, proud Afro-Caribbean heritage. Yeah. But Frederick yeah. Douglass rightfully points out this has nothing to do with the this has nothing to do with us. And we are stealing someone else's culture to even be represented here. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he fully acknowledged that this was, you know, this was playing into a whole other game. Basically. Oh yeah. 
So I, I guess it's sort of that thing where you have to decide for yourself. You're like, do I play in their system and do I play in their game just so that I can get my voice out there and I can be heard? I can put my foot in the door, even if it means compromising on my own principles, or do you outright protest? Um, and it's, it you know, there's kind of no way to say which of them had the kind of better decision because in some part, you know, the Colombian exposition was a actually a an important showcase to a lot of uh African American artists and performers. Uh it it's difficult to say what exactly uh was the correct decision. You know, mm. there's a lot we can say and there's a lot I could argue for Wells's position versus Douglas's uh, position. Right, right. Yeah. I, well, yeah, it, it is so, I mean, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around it as we speak and finding a yeah. response because I think it's one that takes a few right. minutes to digest. But exactly, my God, I mean, it's so, yeah. it is such a, you know, it, it is, it's tough, and obviously, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what it's like to come from either of these people's perspectives in this, and I don't even want to mm-hmm. pretend that I mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Um. But in terms of an empathetic and and in my own expressing my own sympathy to it, it's like Jesus Christ, that's such an impossible task yeah. because you're dealing with a racist mm-hmm. system, one that just mm-hmm. and like I don't even want to say ended slavery because even in that case, there's like those stories yeah. that come out of certain groups. They're still that, sharecroppers. Yeah, They're this still, is yeah. you know this is that whole thing of like we did it, it's over. That's taught in American history, and obviously mm-hmm. history doesn't work that way, and things take way longer mm-hmm. to ever fade. I mean, I think we're still and battling. No, this, this is this is Reconstruction era. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it didn't. Really... We're a couple of decades away from birth of a nation. Exactly, exactly. And it's like it doesn't we know how that ends right like it doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. reconstruction fails to a certain degree like it's not mm-hmm. i think we're still dealing with civil war wounds and even just american historical wounds that are mm-hmm. are built this country's built on slave labor it's yes. built on stolen land and it's something that has to eventually be addressed and should always be addressed but regardless yeah i, I digress on that but yeah well, I, I don't actually because it's always a part of the conversation <laughs> but in this it's like i can't i just oh my god like it's, you know it's we, an impossible it's an impossible situation. yeah and if, and if i may it's like we look at i want to look at this and say oh my god you know that's just you know the old racist america that's how it was but i think we've come so far now and we're doing so much better right and like obviously and it's like i don't even i don't i i think that that general racism and attitude towards things like this hasn't actually changed as much as we want to think it has right like i think that there mm. is still an element of that at play somewhere yeah. but we're you know i i god it's just i cannot imagine mm-hmm. having to make that decision of like you know making progress as a culture as a people having gone through collective mm-hmm. trauma and then having to basically say okay do you protest this and completely mm-hmm. remove and then get yeah. left out to a certain degree. And maybe that, I, personally, I think that might be the right decision. But mm-hmm. again, I don't know. Or do you accept and deal and now get somebody else, some, some you know, the, the literal white man telling you where you're going to yeah. be placed, yes. what your culture is? That, that's insane. That, that's just absolutely yeah. terrible. I really. Yeah. I ugh. mean, it's sort of, it's not entirely unlike, um, you know, when when you in documentaries or 
you know, any time you sort of talk to people who remember it, um, the the O.J. Simpson trial mm. and and O.J. Uh, you know, being uh, found not guilty. You know, right. there's there's such a mixed bag of emotions because on the one hand, you had a a prominent black man beat the system. Yeah. On the other hand, is still a you know uh, a murderer, uh, and it feels like you know this very bittersweet sort of revenge. Like, I mean, I, I remember, I, 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 I'm trying to remember the documentary. It was some documentary on the '90s, and they had this guy, you know, just going like, you know, we were all saying this probably isn't the right thing, but feels good you know mm. for for like a moment this is probably the wrong way to go about it you know it's right. that 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 johnny cochran type mentality of uh you know we're gonna make the news even if it takes you know this even even if it takes this level of uh insanity uh-huh. we're going to get people talking about uh, these issues, whether right. they like it or not, we're going to confront something ugly and uncomfortable by any means necessary. Um, right. Um, yeah. And, and and the the literature on this is a little conflicting. It's difficult to say because there's like there are a lot of historians that take kind of a neutral position in this. They say, huh, that's interesting. And, and th- this is kind of the interesting thing where you, you know, what you touched on, I, of, you know, not a lot has changed. I, I totally agree. I also think you can see the shades of people kind of behaving the way they do now. Like people that yeah. don't express outward hatred, but, but yeah. don't want, People that aren't even necessarily bad people, but right. people that do not want to be made to feel uncomfortable. Bam. Yes. People who do not who do not want to be challenged. Um, yes. Um, yeah. I think I I was actually going to say something about that as well, and you yes. you, you just summed it right up really yeah. well. And so th- th- yeah, and there, there's people that write about this now, and they write, um, this was a you know insanely uh this was you know the most despicable disgraceful uh showcase of uh american propaganda and imperialism oh yeah uh and that you know there's even like some i'm having a a hard time actually determining this because there's one thing i read that said um uh Sistriata Jones, the uh, famous opera soprano at mm. the time, also known as the Black Patty, performed. Hmm. And then there's another thing that I read that said she refused to perform out of protest. Oh, well, that's confusing. Yeah, there's actually quite a roster of very famous musicians that uh, performed there and would have showcased uh, important cultural touchstones that presumably people wanted to see if it was there you can assume it was because it put butts in the seats right yeah you know scott joplin if you're familiar with him the incredibly Um. famous uh ragtime uh pianist was Mm. there oh wow uh 
Joseph Douglas, the classical violinist and grandson of Frederick Douglass. Oh, wow. Uh, performed there. There were uh, uh, papers read about African-American history. Uh, there were demonstrations of, uh, you know, what uh, ragtime shows and ensembles would have looked like. You know, there were huh. also minstrel performances. Right. Uh, there was, you know, an ethnographic section, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the incredibly ugly part of all of this, despite um, the genuinely fascinating innovations that would come and stay with us as a culture. There's also, you know, a like a a zoo of Inuit people or mm. a, you know, and, and that this is sort of meant to exhibit the different races on earth. Uh, you know, anthropology was, uh, was a very different kind of science back then. And it's incredibly disturbing to look at now as, you know, people sort of collecting these things like they would a, like a seashell collection, but they're yeah. human beings and they're being t displayed and exhibited through a very specific lens rather than um, being able to share their own culture. And the, the, but this is where the, the nuance of it comes in as well, because, um, and it wouldn't really be recognized by academia until way later, but this was also one of the first expositions that, uh, like a a big mass event where non uh Christian uh spiritual leaders from the West and the East came to speak hmm. and were given a platform to talk about what is our spirituality about. You know, interesting to, to hear. You know, this was the maybe one of the uh only kind of official places in the Midwest where. You suddenly have a an audience of kind of uh, everyday middle class Americans, just you know, getting to hear. Well, what what is what is uh, what is East Asian religion? What what is what what are they all about? What do they believe in? You know, this was hmm. uh, a there was a very uh, there there was a performance of hula dancers from Hawaii, and that actually was part of what made a lot of Americans aware of Hawaiian music interesting i mean yeah it, they, they even they even got the mormon tabernacle choir oh wow you know <laughs> everybody's here their first appearance outside of utah uh, oh okay yeah well there you go yeah yeah it, it was like it was like seeing uh seeing springsteen at the stone <laughs> pony in the early days you know oh yeah true god it's so yeah, weird yeah yeah I, the, I, dude the, dude springsteen at the bottom line mm. those were the shows oh. those were the shows oh, god i bet um, <laughs> it, it is, I have a lot of conflicting opinions about this because, um, as you, sh as, as, as you should. Yeah. Cause I think this, in starting with the relatively good with an asterisk, I think that the cultural pennies. Yeah. That, that was the highlight of all this. No, <laughs> <laughs> crushed pennies are really what re was the only good thing. No. Uh, but this, this cultural exchange is fascinating to me.
that mm-hmm. uh, there is a place where people can come and learn about different people and exchange ideas and have papers read, you know, read aloud and and exchange music and other things is so interesting. Yeah, like but, imagine mm-hmm. like going imagine like going to Disney World but it's run by academics. Yeah, that would actually be really Cool. Yeah, that would be. I mean, that's yeah. kind of a dream in a in a way, you know, just to learn. Because I think, you know, if we use the Epcot as the metaphor or the the vehicle in the sense, it's like the reason I think Epcot is so interesting, and I also just like history, so that's probably part of it. And culture mm-hmm. is that cultures. Um, you can literally travel the world and go to these different places, and you can f- see what it feels like to be in a different place. What's kind of weird mm-hmm. is that you're in Florida and in America, which makes it a bit odd. But regardless, one can pretend and save money on flights. You're in the most liminal place in America, which is Florida. Uh, yeah, valid. <laughs> so it's so it's a realm both here and not there. Yeah, it really do yeah. be that way. Um, but it but do. so so I think that that is interesting. But what I don't think is interesting is that you still have a white supremacist attitude towards culture and towards yeah. A, you know, you have this Western gaze, right? You look at the yeah. exoticizing people and looking at different cultures as either less than or exhibiting people, exhibiting right, right, people as objects is so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not good at all yeah. it's not acceptable yeah at all. while, while um, you while you have while you're having that thought uh yeah. wait wave it wave at the visitors i oh, want to oh, see sure. if they throw some peanuts at us oh yeah hi hi everybody hi oh, oh yeah. god i don't like to be seen um yeah. i don't i don't even like peanuts i just like how oh. if we throw them on the ground it makes me feel like i'm at cody's <laughs> wait what <laughs> have you ever been to a cody's is that like someone's house what's a cody no no a cody's that, that it's like a a chain of like kind of like barbecue grill restaurants and the what? floor is covered in shelled peanuts what i've never heard of this really this does not exist i don't believe this exists <laughs> <laughs> i i have maybe it's a florida thing and i never maybe i never knew the closest cody's like, cody's roadhouse i have a texas roadhouse <laughs> Hi there, my name is Colby White And I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts A podcast where my friend Zachary and I Force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game Even though he doesn't know anything about it We use our humor to bring you weekly football news In a new way that takes fan opinions into account While also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much You can check us out on our website ForceFootballFacts.com Or wherever podcasts are available Hope to see you soon. Interesting. Anyways. Yeah. But, but, uh, but, I mean, to your point, I mean, even look at the idea of the, you know, what they were staging. And I think that's important to think about staging this exposition um, in Chicago. They wanted an ideal looking society. A yeah. lot of the architecture and they pulled some big name architects. Oh wow. Uh, to to put this on. Um and to build this. What's crucial to and you know, I mean, weirdly symbolic now is that all of these buildings were built very quickly and were uh tempor and only meant to be temporary. You know, they mm. sort of were made to look like they were made of marble and everything, but really they're all like made of plaster and stuff. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, but they they built this uh they built 14 buildings uh for this all in sort of this neoclass uh neoclassical style um with the intent of 
like what what does an ideal perfectly designed city and society look like Mm. um there was an enormous reflecting pool in the middle that was supposed to symbolize columbus crossing the atlantic um there were street lights there was you know a, a bunch of uh basically people showing off electricity you know in the midwest just showing off what was possible and it got another name because of all this, because of all of the, you know, gleaming white buildings and all of this light, it was called the White City. Uh, oh. um, yeah, and, you know, nowadays that has quite a connotation to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it did um, then, I think, too, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, in, in the same way, uh, you know, the Black Belt does uh, right. when, we t- when we talk about uh, regions of the United States, you know, this was the white city. But wasn't um, there um not to not to interrupt mm-hmm. your point, but wasn't there also at this time the mass exodus of of um black people moving from the south up to these different areas and like I know specifically oh, Chicago is one yeah. of those spots. I'm not sure if it's this date or not, but I, I know that that does happen and it's crucial to how even our societies form today in terms of where people are located or displaced in. So yeah, the that would have actually, you know, post uh 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 post civil war and the end of slavery, a lot of uh you know, African Americans still faced a tremendous amount of dim, uh discrimination mm. at the uh, in the south, you know, and a huge amount of resentment. And, you know, they started moving northward to where people were slightly more tolerant. Um, this is before the Great Mississippi Flood of 1927. Right, okay. So this is not that particular massive exodus, mm-hmm. but this is one of them. Um, uh, for And for, you know, those in our uh, exhibit that don't know, the, the Mississippi, the Great Mississippi Flood of 27 is what, when the levee breaks, uh, was based on. Oh. Um, it was a traditional blues song, uh, based on the, the flood that year, um, the just tremendous amount of property and lives lost, uh, and finally a lot of African Americans just so, uh, disenfranchised finally, uh, you know, just leaving the South. Hmm. where you know they were made to work the levy trying to save uh all of these buildings and still losing everything uh for just basically a mismanaged uh levy system jesus and and an inc- and an unstoppable flood whoa um that's so you know that that's happening not too much later but that's not quite that era yet okay okay but yeah, th- this is the beginnings of that, the beginnings of uh, the uh, movement of uh, the of African-Americans to the north and mm. in particular to Chicago. Right. Chicago also, you know, had another uh, unfortunate problem at the time, which was H.H. H. Holmes. Uh, oh, yeah. It was one of America's first uh, documented serial killers was... Busy at work killing people in in That's, Chicago. That like during this time? Yes, actually there is a uh book documenting uh Holmes and his 
various weird exploits called the devil in the white city. Uh Oh, yeah, no, all of this coincides. That's, that's insane. The, that's the crazy thing. That's actually, I mean, crazy. even like, even like in doing the research for this and you see how many names of famous Americans and origin points and overlap there is with this event. Like, like one of the things that was on, uh, on display to the world was peanut butter. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, Carver was at this thing. That's not, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. George Washington Carver. Like this, uh, this was an important, important cultural event so much so that guess what? A lot of middle-class, uh, African Americans wanted to come visit, and yeah. uh, there was a there was pushback as to whether or not they would be allowed in from oh, the committee. God. Of course, and it's you know extremely odd considering you know this whole motto was everyone is welcome, except yes, right, except. So not only are you know they being used as entertainment, and they contributed to the progress of america they're not allowed in mm, yeah my God. and yeah, that's jesus and you know this is this is something difficult to sort of figure out with how to feel about race in america and you and i have encountered this living in europe where there's some idea that um it's just another hurdle to get over yeah and i believe i don't believe that it's something that's insurmountable i certainly again am a bit of an optimist on this Mm -hmm. but you look at this history already at this point and this is even more so true now than it ever was you know some of the most important politicians athletes military personnel artists contributors to american society were black yeah and yet and and have been here since the beginning of of this country Mm -hmm. um and still are in the eyes of so many less than yeah. And that and and that and that's a truly frustrating thing in trying to in in trying to figure figure this out is it's not even like this is controversial like that <laughs> right. It that 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 there's been a contribution or uh and and this was one of the frustrations that uh Frederick Douglass himself expressed during this was um, you know, th- their sort of their sort of argument was that, you know, that this would not be that they, they were not worth th- their progress was not worth demonstrating. And Frederick Douglass was, you know, a real believer in this idea. No, I want to show the world how far black people have come in the in just a few decades after being freed. Right. Which is a. I think a good thing in the sense of showing yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, he, but... he wanted he wanted them measured on 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 their terms, right? Uh, and which you know again is a little bit of a different. You you wouldn't exactly word that the same now, but right. that's that that at the, for the time that's that's an incredibly astute observation. You oh know? yeah, absolutely. Why 
why why judge these people when a few decades ago they were a, a lot of them were other people's property yeah exactly and yeah I, so, so there's there's a, a lot of different ways to potentially feel about this yes uh and one so eventually they do sort of reach a, another compromise um now uh i have not shown you something yet oh and i'm going to show it to you Okay. <laughs> and because I like springing, as everyone knows, I like springing things on Joe at the last minute. Naturally. That's true. Yeah. So I'm, sh I'm showing you something right now. Uh, Joe, what, what, what do you think? Oh, this is not great. This nope. is very racist. Yes. Eesh. This is an illustration of... Uh, th there was a day that the, uh, the, 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 at, at the time what they would have said, you know, the colored people got to come, uh, but it was also called Darkies Day Ugh. at the fair. And, the, you know, they're serving, uh, watermelon. There's a bunch of terribly racist caricatures of, uh, of black people standing in line. Um, just every horrible, awful thing you can imagine ever drawn. Um, in the uh, sort of uh, cartoon style of the late 1800s. And you're seeing what people saw them as. Oh my god. You know, yeah. a, a, a band of, like, unruly animals. You know, it's... Uh, it, it's It's truly disgusting. Uh, and you kind of can't separate that from what is from what is going on here uh in mm. in in spite of a, what i think were some positives to come from this uh this yeah. is this is this is yeah. uh about as close to irredeemable as you can get pretty much yeah this is a kind of yeah this is what i'm talking about in a sense where i think mm -hmm. it's this underlying current that's actually pretty upfront is um i think what diminishes a lot of some of the things that happen here mm -hmm. uh, be it good or bad because mm -hmm. but but i also don't know like it's so it's so hard because it's it, and again it ties back to that conversation you were saying like, like how europeans mm -hmm. view america's um race related issues or things involved and mm -hmm. they kind of mm -hmm. oversimplify it because that's what they're yeah. used to, and that's yeah. fine, because, I mean, it's not fine, but that's obviously just, like, a way of thinking, whatever, mm -hmm. because you don't live, you're not you're not from, you're not there, you, you know, it's a different experience, mm -hmm. obviously, but, mm -hmm. like, you know, when you have a country that's built, like I was saying, in the way mm -hmm. that it is, with white supremacy as the motto, with this is a very specific way of grouping people, and then fundamentally building an entire culture mm -hmm. out of business and other yeah. things, it you know, leads to that. And I feel like... Yeah. Well, you know even, that this mm -hmm. was also the first time in place uh, that the uh, Pledge of Allegiance was recited by a group of children. Really? Yeah. This is crazy. Everything keeps coming back to this. Like, it's kind of nuts <laughs> how much it? stuff starts here, but also how insanely racist a lot of it is. It's it's like, yeah. it hurt. But I think it... Okay, actually, this is a good time to even talk about that, too. It It, it, it shows how much America is still uncomfortable with its own history because we do not talk about that. 
We mm-hmm. won't, ma- you know, you hear about all of these different things, just like, you know, you know, you hear about the crushed pennies, right? Or where that comes from, you don't know. But like all of this connects back to a history that's pretty dark and it's not great. I feel great. like we're, we're ruining a lot of people's time. Next time yeah. they visit the aquarium and they like want a squashed penny with a dolphin on it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, you get a reminder. But it's kind of, yeah. it's just very. Especially if they go to the Fantastic Shed Aquarium in Chicago. Oh, check it out! I feel like I've been there. Great aquarium. I feel like I've been there. That sounds familiar. Mm. Also, the Field Museum in Chicago. I don't know if I've been there. Yeah, you can go see Sue the T Rex. Did I see that? I don't know what's happened. I don't remember. Chicago was a blur. I was like eight. <laughs> I mean, no, I must have been older. I was all. I was also there on a family vacation. I yeah. need to go back as an adult. I yeah, um, actually, same. But yeah, no. I mean, you're you're totally right. In I I'm. <laughs> And and you also get into an odd thing where this is the root of so many um, uh, ideas for a a mass exhibition of stuff. You know, we we right. think of we think of a lot of the twentieth century uh, world's fairs, and yes, a lot of those were very important in terms of. Uh, there's been a lot written about how those familiarized a lot of everyday people with new technology and new science. Sure. Um, and those did a lot to give people an optimistic bent, uh, as, as far as where technology could bring us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but we, we don't really have world's fairs anymore. Uh, Or at least not, not, not in, in the way that uh we had these we have sort of other exhibitions of international yes. showcases um if we ever do have world's fairs they're not really things that are as culturally shaking as sort of the uh right late, mid to late 1800s to about the mid 20th century you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, no nobody's I, I don't think anybody's unveiling the next Eiffel Tower, you know, the, right, the, right. that, that really captures captures everybody's imagination uh, like that anymore. And in one sense, America cannot have another uh, world's, uh, world's Fair, not only because of the impracticality of it, um, right. but uh, in 2001, there was basically legislation put into place that public money cannot go towards a World's Fair, and the uh, the the committee or whatever that uh, would have worked on that, or the people that would have worked on that, were basically disbanded. Um, America mm. said no more of these. Interesting, uh, interesting yeah, response for a few reasons. Um, yes, and I don't, yes. and I'm being a little, I'm going to be critical because I think. Bear with me through this, because this is all okay. just train of thought. But there is a okay. chance to remark upon that history. And I mm-hmm. don't want to say fix it, because that's naive and simple in a sense, right? Like, that's too obvious and not necessarily going to actually work. But I think there is a chance to have a, re- a some sort of a redemption arc in this way of, hey... 
maybe we should do something to highlight history mm-hmm. that's been overlooked mm-hmm. in America specifically or in the world, mm-hmm. right? Let's let's actually Right. It does weirdly close a chapter as far as like, well, now we don't have a chance to revise it. Um Yeah, that's and this is like again, this just keeps becoming a trend in American history. It's like because the thing I, I kind of it, it's frustrating in a way and, and, and I think I don't know, like I, I think um there has to be times where specifically, you know, white administrators or people, whoever's running things and from coming from a white perspective, um, you know, including myself in this as well. It's like there's a moment to just like sit back and stop, stop talking, you know, yeah. as as you know, it, it's like there is a there are certain platforms I feel like that need to be raised for others to now have a say and to talk and to make mm-hmm. their voices mm-hmm. heard and by closing stuff like this, not to, not to say they should or shouldn't, there's obviously other platforms that can be used and there's modes of, mm-hmm. of you know, there's ways to address this without maybe the World's yeah. Fair title. But I think that, and again, this is all kind of stream of conscious, but it's like there there is an opportunity to highlight, you know, African-American, Black achievement in the United States, indigenous achievements, peoples who were here and who literally built the country. But accepting the fact that there is a very dark undercurrent of history here and that's the path yeah. to i think a potential not that i'm I'm solving anything yeah. obviously but this this yeah. is like in my own viewpoint which could be very wrong a a path to some sort of understanding of some sort of like mm-hmm, healing mm-hmm. process whatever that means right. because it's obviously right. a very very complicated one but also kind of not in the same way right like, yeah well, okay, so, like, we still have Biennales, we have yes. Documenta, we have the Olympics, um, and so, so it, it's interesting you kind of bring that up. So, like, in 2015, Rydell uh, published uh, a, a, another article, you know, fairly short, um, called World's Fair Future. Um, interesting. And... Sort of, you know, he goes into the reasons why the United States, at least for the meantime, uh, does not look like it is even legally able to uh, have another World's Fair. And he goes into also sort of also the the issues of logistics, that this isn't even something that even if we want to think about, like, how much private industry has taken over. Right. You really need the backing of a government. You need the backing of a state in order to pull one of these things off. Yeah, Um, for sure. So much of the World's Fair and so much of what we think of them as financial success, even though they were never really meant to be financially successful. They were, you know... It's like a show-off thing, um, right? Yeah, yeah. It was was more of a, um, you know, as he kind of puts it, uh, they, they demonstrate power. They were mm, interesting. That that was sort of the point of them. It was something that, um, sort of, it, it for lack of a better word, distraction. It's a distraction of uh, tensions between class. You know, even even the Romans did stuff like this. You know, providing right, right. Pub- public entertainment to distract uh, in you know the the later empire periods and stuff. Mm. And like uh, so, so much of what even made the World's Fairs possible was that the governments could waive tariffs to allow importing things 
to show to even showcase stuff from other countries interesting Hmm. yeah you really need some kind of federal backing in order to do one of these yeah and you know he sort of makes the pragmatic argument that you know it's weirdly prophetic now you know hearing him talk about like you know we could do a lot of this stuff online you know yeah why why watch why go to a sporting event when you could watch it at home on tv why do any of these things when you can attend it online you know he's writing this in 2015 and look at where we are now pretty wild yeah and he makes an interesting argument that it's almost that that's almost not what these things are about that they Hmm. are actually a sensory experience interesting that to go to a destination and experience the whirl of people and the activity and the bustlingness of it that is what you are actually there for that is the culture you are partaking in and Mm. that that is not inherently bad in and of itself um yeah that attending a music sporting or any or lecture any kind of event being there is a sensory experience in and of itself regardless of the content i yeah yeah And, and and you could you could get behind that so his argument is and it's and it is a you know a little hard to imagine right now but i want to imagine it is that if it is a sensory experience if these gatherings are a if if that is what they are it is a gathering mm. then it does not matter it does as i shouldn't say it does not matter but it does not mean that it has to be a particular kind of content Mm. a a better content and more well-managed and well-intended attractions Mm -hmm. could fit into this model perfectly and you would still fulfill the same experience interesting i i agree with that actually i think that that's you know that that is kind of what the Biennale is like now, or mm-hmm. or Documenta. I mean, they're both. Um, they both they all they all represent again uh, a a significant you know investment on the parts of different countries. Well, that's the thing. Uh, it's it's interesting. And artists, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna simplify yeah. the Biennale mm-hmm. without trying to be. Well, no, it's funny. Yeah, it's kind of like Comic Con for like artists right (laughs) like that's what it is and i love it though but i mean obviously it's much Mm -hmm. more it's so much more serious than that but in all honesty it's not like i don't know like here's the thing documenta i feel like is the place where contemporary art is actually really happening and the dialogues are being pushed the biennale is the olympics of the art world Mm -hmm. not that that's bad it just is the superstar superstar place where it is impossible Mm -hmm. to get a you know meeting with one of the most famous curators right it's, it's like insanely hard and then in documenta there's a completely different approach to this you know yeah, like with its yeah. curators and and some of whom you know adam chimchik um Akwe and weser rest in peace one of the greatest curators mm-hmm. ever um you know um it, it is 
they're both very different, but they're also very kind of tied to this idea that you're that you're talking about that research that was conducted, and I think it's really fa- mm-hmm. fascinating. Like even even with the Biennale, like what I think always interests me and bothers me you know because it's created like in 1895 mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. you know it's like mm-hmm. the first one and it, and it becomes the two-year tradition you know biennial two yeah. years yeah. um and you know it starts as a way for nations to compete right it's an exchange of ideas oh, yeah. but then it's a very western exchange of ideas until it opens mm-hmm. up and now we have a much more and, and obviously it could be better in, in anything it could be better but mm-hmm. it's much better than what it was you know there's still because these dialogues are at the forefront there's a lot you know with the most recent one may you live in interesting times was very much aware of that and was dealing with yeah. it and kind of prophetic in a weird way of what was yeah. going to happen but um still even bef- feel, i still feel cursed by that title did we ever mention that on these tours that story because that was i don't know if we've i don't know if we've ever mentioned it but there was um you and i were uh at a at a what were what was it it was open, open studios studio. which was already open a nightmare studio. of a day yeah we were you know trying to get everything to look just right we're going to finally have a bunch of new people looking at our yeah. work um this was right before an ugly falling out with one of our friends yeah. um we had just come back from seeing the Biennale in Venice, mm-hmm. which was called May You Live in Interesting Times. And basically, not only did a bunch of drama ensue after it, yeah. but, then it but then the following semester, uh, uh, we were in Italy for the coronavirus pandemic, Right at this moment, when everything seemed perfect, uh, someone in our group uh, toasted, may you live in interesting times. Wasn't it and you? It felt, I'm pretty sure it was you. Was it me? Yes. You are not pinning, you are not pinning this on me. I'm not me. pinning it on you. It, it, was... it could have been anyone uh-huh. toasted, toasted, may you live in interesting times, and it felt like the seventh seal was open. I swear to God, Sam, I, I have a very specific vision of you in a suit going you know raising a glass and saying may you live in interesting times and i remember like i look back it could at have it been now. anyone I, it could have been anyone I, I, um, yeah that was i will always <laughs> remember that as as whenever we make the movie of of florentine that's when yes. that's got to be a pivotal <laughs> plot point to open us in to this entire oh my god yeah. regardless i don't want to go too much of a tangent because mm-hmm. but but it yeah yeah it, it's pretty wild the biennale's changed lives but what yes. I wanted to get to with mentioning May You Live in Interesting Times was the one before it, which was um, Viva Arte Viva by curator Christina Marcel. And this is in 2017. And this one's actually not one of the most popular Biennales. This had so much criticism. So much. Like, she got right. slammed for these decisions. Um, I genuinely think she was ahead of her time on, mm. on perceiving the pavilions because I, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to bring that up too, but I'll connect it through this of of building a construct of how to house something, of housing an exhibition, kind of like what we're in right now, right? So yeah. in her way of curating this, there was a lot of different things. Like I'm pretty sure under her, there was the uh, weekly dinners where people who were visiting the Biennale mm-hmm. could actually talk in dialogue with artists or with mm-hmm. curators, which would normally be impossible. Uh, a mm-hmm. public library that was built where people could access mm-hmm. books. Um, and again, I'm not entirely sure because a lot of this stuff tends to blend with documenta and whatever. But it was the 
renaming of pavilions, you know, mm-hmm. changing how we look at nations representing themselves. And I, and I think they still kind of did like, you know, Germany was Germany and Switzerland, was Switzerland and stuff, but they, she also incorporated like pavilions of, I think dreams and the sun and all these different things mm-hmm. that had different mm-hmm. artists grouped into that. She also showed like artists such as Maria live, you know, from my yeah. country, Sardinia, um, who was not known at all until then. She was known because Marcel found wow. her work because her wow. daughter of, Maria Lai sent it to her and she was completely mm-hmm. struck by it and, and was lucky enough to have to, to I think maybe she either posthumously met her work or did I, I don't remember but it was very no I think she did meet her um, but anyway it was a complete it's a completely different look at how to do this it's a, I mean it was rough and it from what I've heard mm-hmm. from people who visited it was a little all over the place and definitely more mm-hmm. like dreamlike mm-hmm. in this way but personally mm-hmm. That's a big endeavor to even take on with like one head curator with a team under her, and it was needed. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's how, because I, you know, as for me, I, I really don't like the Olympics. I know what's happening right now. I could care less. Um, it, <laughs> sorry to anybody who likes it. I, I don't understand it, but I mean, the ice skating is oh, cool, boo- I guess. The, the crowd's booing us now. Yeah, well, sorry. I don't get it. I never understood it, but hey, whatever. <laughs> but but that's kind of what it reminds me of, like when you get too nationalistic with things. And I mean, the Biennale is a bit different because even at times, like you'll, like I remember like uh, in the recent one, the Danish pavilion is by, um, oh, I'm, I'm going to blank on her name, of course, but it's a very interesting moving image artist. She worked in video and did this like incredible piece that was dealing, I think with like, um, I think it was dealing with Palestine, actually, if I remember correctly. But anyway, it, it's like you wouldn't expect that. You know, who gets featured right. in what pavilion, what artist gets to speak for the country and for what they want to say, mm-hmm, and the same thing mm-hmm. with the U.S. But anyway, in regards to building a construct of a place to house an exhibition or a work or a, a an image of what your country stands for, I think we've come a long way in terms of looking at that through art. Um, whereas I feel like even in the past, there was a creation to... Um, to you know create an image of sorts you know it even reminds me of like the the german pavilion for instance one that was i'm pretty sure built during the the 30s 1930s right and it's got this very you know um powerful and a you know white supremacist undertone to it based on when it was built and why it was built and and so on yeah so like the what was interesting though is in one of the in the uh 45th venice biennale um Hans Hox, one of the, I think it was representing Germany, broke the floor. Right. And it was like the destruction of the pavilion itself, and that was the work. Well, the, you know. fl- the floor had a swastika on it, didn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, this the intervention of destroying that part and making it the work itself, making the intervention mm-hmm. in the space, right? So we mm-hmm. you know, talking about that history by reshowing it. That's obviously something in post-war Germany that comes up a lot in the art world, as we as we know. But um I think that that's interesting in terms of how to like deal with that history. And that's really what it all kind of ties back into with be it the world's fair, the Biennales and other things. It's the, the act of display and how we can talk about the achievement of mankind, so to speak is, or humankind, so to speak is very, it, 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 I don't think it should be as complicated as it is, but I think it is that complicated because of the nature of where display even comes from and how we've looked at that mm-hmm. for so many centuries, right? Like mm-hmm. how things are, are put on a pedestal or, or whether they are or aren't. And I think that, 
you know, in judging that question on, right, do you protest or do you change it, which right. is still a very hard thing to answer. I think if anything, the Biennale show that, that in, and, and documenta as well, actually showing that me- means to change, to invite the people are, in. The things are, things are capable of being changed. I, yeah. And, and I, I don't think we'll ever, obviously we won't have a world's fair in, in America because of the legislation. And I, I don't even think it's possible, right? You, like you're saying with the, with the, you know, corporate overlords so to speak owning everything in private business and whatever mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i think maybe there's a solution in giving plot like th- the platform to those who don't ever get a chance to share and show mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. they are what their culture mm-hmm. is and that becomes, you know, you it's like giving it to those people, giving it to them, giving it to, yeah, you know, I, well, I think the, who the, needs the it. The attract, the attraction is. I think we want to think of massive exhibitions as, at least in the states, we often think of it as lowest common denominator. Yeah, um, yeah. But imagining a scenario where uh, you're deliberately trying to seek out things people have never seen before or very few people have yeah. seen it um and and sort of exploring that idea of a showcase you know something right. something new um you know that that has a lot of potential and you're seeing people go for artists and curators like that now oh yeah um, absolutely um yeah it's because I th- I do really really believe that we learn from each other mm-hmm. and everyone's we, experiences, yeah, totally, and I think totally. that's why listening is always so important too, and and knowing when to to listen, you know, and yeah, because and... you know what that the you know the the World's Fair it got us it got us brownies, but you know it also got us uh, Aunt, Aunt Jemima, um, which yeah, is a double, it's a double edged sword, you know, yeah. people are very happy to have um, ready made pancake mix. Um, Right. But, uh, you know, it, it th- there were some further complications down the road. Yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. Um but I yeah, I think overall it is such a an important but tough conversation, right? It's a, it's a, yeah. it's it's all coming back to this understanding mm-hmm. and discussing a very tough history that requires mm-hmm. multiple perspectives and maybe some voices heard over others so to speak so mm-hmm. this 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 change of a relationship of instead of you know because even like myself like telling oh well this is how it should be exhibited it's like i would never want my opinion to be the forefront of what should and shouldn't be that's insane right like that's that's not i would no nah, i can't do it <laughs> i'll give you my opinion you could take it or leave it but i also am here to listen and learn. I think that that's, I always, you know, want to make that as clear as possible because, you know, it's like, I don't, it, it, I want to see a, <laughs> I want to see a concert where you pick the entire lineup. I could do that. I would have fun doing that. <laughs> and I would stress over it forever and have anxiety for like the entire months leading up to it, but then it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Like, I think, I just I, I think there's potential there to move conversations for because I really do believe like there are people who just do not know anything other than like quote unquote white culture right or like mid you know where they are isolated in especially in the United States like I've met people that have just genuinely never met anybody else different from themselves I remember like even in New Jersey it was like finding people that never met a Jewish person before which was mm. insane to me because of where I live and that's d- d- 
common you know it's like it's normal but to some yeah, it's not I'm and try- it's like I'm trying to figure out what what corner of new jersey that would even be the pine barrens 20 minutes from me ah but like yeah, it wasn't even Pineys. but that was the thing like it wasn't far it was the same it's just you know regardless it's like that's i feel like how it is and also because we're kind of left in the dark a lot of the time because you know history mm-hmm. here doesn't really want to address it and it's really i mean i i'm not the person making this original statement this is very much a part of the current conversation of america not addressing its own history specifically speaking of our own i mean obviously this everybody in the world has their own issues going on Mm -hmm. right now with that too Mm -hmm. um so not Mm -hmm. to speak and solely attack the united states today but as much as i like doing that as we can tell um (laughs) well yeah i mean we, we we didn't even talk about uh the <laughs> the uh belgian and french oh. uh human zoos uh which were weirdly worse they're worse um yeah yeah so oh, jesus n- king leopold this no. this isn't this isn't an american specific problem no no and i i mean i think coming you know we obviously we are from there and i think that coming from our own origin and trying to understand yeah. our own background from that is important and that's you know i'm not gonna go speak mm-hmm. for a different country so to say but yeah it's not great europe's Europe, hey man america's founded from europeans so whose fault really is it <laughs> you know what if, you know what honestly that that is that is the thing it's like hey if you want to take credit for all of this you got to take credit for the mess too yeah yeah well it's a kind of crazy that people like there's this there's this conversation going around now of people discovering all the treaties that like the british had with indigenous tribes around here and how when the revolution happened with the um united states forming it kind of screwed all that up and is directly a, a consequence which is why you would see a lot of indigenous peoples fighting with the british side even though both offer colonization so i don't really know what was the option well i mean i think right now in our current revision we're looking for anything that would put them put the american revolutionaries in the wrong yeah that's Um, that's my take on it as well yeah i see something like that and i'm like i have a feeling the british wouldn't exactly have been more um more uh judging by uh the, the way they uh <laughs> they swallowed most of the world at one point. Yeah, I not don't great. know. I don't know if they would have forever respected those. Um, yeah, also Canada as an example. So yeah, not great. Yeah. Not great. Um, no, no. Anyway, not to derail a- completely as I do. <laughs> anyway, I mean, well, actually, speaking of, you know, oh. the third rail system for trains was also debuted at the Chicago. My Center. God, this thing had everything. It real it literally had everything. It had its own serial killer. It had its <laughs> own mayoral assassination. Um, Jesus, and, what an and also a a according to the New York Times review, a uh, lovely uh, soprano opera performance. Oh, ain't that nice? This this yeah, really yeah. you know, not there was literally something for everybody. Yeah, I guess it was a real. You had to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh God. Well, we're so glad you had to be here with us. Yes. Today, always, always uh, <laughs> trapped in, uh, trapped in uh, an exhibit of our own creation. Mm, yeah. Um, you got anything going on you want to plug, Joe? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I just I'm I've been attending this online residency with SVA as the artist project, which has been super fun. Shout out to anybody who's visiting here with us. Um, it's been great. Looking forward to having more of these dialogues. Some of this has been kind of relevant in conversations, so um, mm-hmm. I feel like that fueled a bit of where I was coming from on on, <laughs> on talking. But you know, yeah, no. So I got that going on. Working on some new projects. Finally, I'm really excited about that. Making artwork. Um, it's definitely weird being in a post grad slump, and um. <laughs> but yeah, so I got that going on. Uh, you can check out the Midnight Drive on radioprofessor.org if you're interested. Listen to it while driving. It's definitely a time. Um, I think that's about it so far. I'll update, of course, with anything else going on. Zam, what you got going on? Well, um, let's see. Uh, I have some plans potentially coming up in August that should be exciting. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um. I will be uh, showing some of my work at uh, the Shindig in Ekalaka, Montana on July uh, 24th. Ooh, exciting. That's coming right up. Yeah, uh, and I should have some new announcements soon. Uh, Thank you to anyone that came to the Limner Gallery, uh, uh, to the Art and Natura show that I was a part of. Um... Yeah, I think that is all. If you want to find me, I'm at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm Josemino Art on Instagram. If you want to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. I I guess that about does it for us. Yeah, and feel free to, to hit us with any uh, corrections, recommendations, things oh, to yes, talk about, please. please. We always love hearing from everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, have a good night, everybody. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.